You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman. As always, I'm one of the hosts of this lovely show. And on today, we will be breaking down the Pacers' first win of their season against the Brooklyn Nets. 118-108. It's been over six months since the Pacers have won a game, but they finally did it. They didn't win last year's in the playoffs. They didn't win their first three games, but behind a strong night for DeMontis Sabonis, Malcolm Brogdon, TJ Warren, and Jimmy Land, the Pacers pulled out their first win of the season. We'll be talking the good and the bad from that game, an update on Miles Turner's injury, and we'll have a final segment on why the bench has struggled and where the Pacers can go from here. But first, today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by my bookie. MyBookie.ag is the place to go if you want to bet this season. That means if you want to bet football, basketball, I guess baseball just ended. I just watched the last World Series game. Go Nats, I guess. But if you want to make future bets, game bets, whatever it is, MyBookie.ag is the place to go. You want to bet the Colts-Steelers game this weekend. I'm sure the Colts are favored. MyBookie.ag is the place to go. You want to bet the Pacers-Cleveland game on Friday, the Pacers-Bulls game on Sunday. MyBookie.ag is the place to go. And... They will double your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. That's right, the promo code LOCKEDONNBA, and you will get double your first deposit down. So visit mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, so the Pacers pull out their first win of the season, and it was a hard-earned, maybe even a tragic win, depending on how it turned I don't know. We'll give it up to that towards the end of this segment. But they pulled it out, and I want to do my good and bad from this game. That's kind of what we're doing this this season. I know it's been a short season so far, but basically every time I do one of these shows after a game, it'll be the good and bad from the game, a couple of segments kind of based on things I want to talk about. So we'll start with one good, and we'll go one bad, and rotate back and forth. That's how this has been working so far this season. So first, I think Sabonis played the best game maybe of his career tonight. Uh, his 29-8-4, if I get the number right, I really hope I did, uh, was an impressive stat line. Uh, he basically made DeAndre Jordan, you know, Look like a fool. I mean, he made DeAndre look at the player that he was last year, a guy cleaning off the ground. Uh, he had to step up into even more minutes because of obviously the Turner injury. And he just played really well. He kind of anchored the bench unit at times that really has been terrible so far this year. And he carried the starting lineup. You know, him and Brogdon running that pick and roll and pick and whatever it was, some kind of any kind of pick play was just almost lethal. I mean, I, I thought this was by far the best bonus game I've seen him this season. He only had four fouls. I know he had a little touch early on in the game. He got two, I think, in the first quarter. But relatively, he was not as foul prone. He stayed obviously stayed in the game most of the time. Like he just he looks like the most solid player. He seemed like look at the guy that you pay whatever he's making nineteen to twenty million per year. And I was really impressed by that. And I think it's a good sign going forward that he could put up these kind of numbers. He can do this when Turner's out on the court even because I think Sabonis, you know, last year I thought for the first thirty games or so Sabonis was probably the better center. Um, we don't know how long Turner's out, so I'm imagining he's probably not going to play. Friday's game, but we'll see. I mean, I, I we'll see what happens. I'll give you an update on that towards the end of the segment, like I said earlier. Uh, but someone's going to get a chance here to kind of prove that why he might be the better of the two centers offensively. Now, we'll never know defensively because I think Turner's still an elite-level def- defensive player in this league. But Sabonis could have an opportunity to kind of separate himself and show maybe he should be just in the center role because I think that's going to be sort of the opportunity cost of this whole Sabonis-Turner thing is like, they might be good enough together, but are you missing out on Sabonis taking a leap where he could be a 20-something point-a-game kind of player in one of the best four or five centers in the league? I mean, 
doesn't quite have the size of an Embiid type player in terms of just like this the huge shoulders and arms like that, but he he has as good of a touch around the rim as Embiid has, and he has as good of kind of footwork and maybe even better because he's left-handed. He's got the two-handed he can shoot from both hands, like all those kind of things that make him at least in a, I think a borderline elite level level offensive player. The bad, uh, you know, where to start? I think the first one to start is what didn't happen, and that was no TJ Leaf. Um, the Pacers went down basically a center or four. They had got to step into the fourth spot when they shifted the bonus from power four to center, and they decided not even go with him. They decided to play a lot of Warren at the four, McDermott a little bit at the four, Holiday, it's just Holiday as the four. So not a good sign for TJ Leaf that when the team needed a four desperately, they didn't go to him. Um, yeah, I mean, this the TJ Leafs, Dave, the Pacers are probably numbered at this point. Uh, I know his option is picked up next year. But I would be surprised if he's not moved in some kind of trade at some point in some package, either just to get a better player. Maybe you can find somebody on the, you know, another mid-level guy you can kind of trade for him or whatnot. But it seems to me that TJ Leaf's days are numbered right now. He'll probably get one more kind of run at it, maybe another three or four game run. But he plays like he played the last three games. He certainly will not be on the Pacers much longer because, honestly, it's better off just having, having that roster spot for this team. It might be. Uh, back to the good to, to kind of – Cheer you guys up once again. Uh, four starters and tw- with 20 plus points. So Warren had 20 on eight of 16 shooting. Pretty solid night for him. He didn't make a three, but still a good night for him. Jeremy Lamb really stepped into a, um, I thought kind of a much needed role of a steadying kind of offensive force from the shooting guard spot that just Sumner couldn't provide because Sumner just isn't on that level yet. He had 25 points on 11 or 19 shooting. Brogdon had the usual. You know, I call it old man game, 7 of 19, 26, 6 free throws versus 21 points. He goes for his fourth straight doubles of the year at 21 and 13, and obviously Smalls at 29. Uh, this is the kind of game the pitch is going to need out of their starters going forward. With Lamb in the lineup, the bench is going to be worse, so they're going to need their starters to play 30 to 35 minutes each and kind of carry this team to wins like this. Uh, you know, they're, the reason this team probably will not be, will be floating around 500, most of the time with Victor Oladipo out is because they aren't they don't have seven really good players. They have six if you add Oladipo into obviously he's healthy, which means they really have five right now. So those five have to carry this team because when you get to that bench, it drops off a little bit. Now I, I I will say and this was one of my goods later on, but Holiday McDermott I thought were impressive tonight for the roles they had to step into. They I thought they played well. You know they they did the job. They 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 were adequate players in the court. But at the end of the day, it's going to come down to sort of the starters and really. We can talk about when Turner comes back. He might have to put up 22, but the start of the carry of this team, you're going to need probably 80 to 90 points out of your starters every night. I mean, I think this game, if I do the math real fast in my head, I think they got to 46, 66 plus 36 is, what, 102 from their starters? I mean, 102 of the 118 came from the starters, and that's going to have to be going forward just because they just don't have the high power scoring on their bench. Now, eventually when Oliva comes back, Lamb goes to the bench. They'll be a stagger, Smith, Smith, and Turner, and then they will have that kind of scoring off their bench. But for now... It seems like to me this is the kind of recipe for how the Pacers win games. It's just having their starters carry them to victory, which, frankly, that's how you win the NBA, right? Your best players carry you to victory. So not a surprise there, to be honest. Uh, another bad. Uh, I Aaron Holiday. I mean, I have to say, I thought Goga, you know, I didn't think he was great. I think he probably didn't expect to play today and whatever, and he kind of was adequate for his role. But I thought Aaron Holiday was, um, once again, not so good. Not a great defensive player, not great shooting, and I, I don't know what is going on. 
Uh, the Pacers saw something in him enough last year they would not trade him for Mike Conley. Uh, that looking really bad. I mean, I guess Mike Conley's been terrible so far this year. It's not looking so bad. But the idea that you wouldn't trade Aaron Holly for that kind of level of player is looking kind of bad right now. And that's why that's why when I say Leaf and Holly days are numbered, you combine this out. I think they get to like seven. You throw in maybe you can get like throw in a, a McConnell and get to like ten, and that's kind of your recipe for getting a you know adding depth to your bench. Because at this point, to me, that's my, that's one of my other bads is that. It just feels like the McConnell, Holiday, Aaron Holiday, Leaf combination. Playing any of those guys is not good for this team, and it's better off if you could go get somebody. You could have to get one player that just provide a little more off the bench. You know, they're just not good. I mean, I don't know how to put it. I mean, McConnell has been very, you know, I would say below average, but today he was bad. He was just bad. Um, thank, thank God the starters played great, but he was just bad, and the bench can just to be kind of eh. At least the bottom, bottom of the bench. Um, on the positive note, I thought, like I said earlier, Holiday and Mc, Justin Holiday and McDermott, I thought kind of cemented themselves as the 6-7 on this team with Oladipo. I think, I think Justin Holiday is sort of cementing himself as, hey, I'm your team's 8th, ninth guy, right? Let's say Sumner comes back, right? So let's say Holiday's right below that, right? That's putting put my number 8. Vic comes back, puts him at 9. I think Justin Holiday is kind of becoming that because he's just proving that he is a guy who knows where to be at times can play multiple positions and can be average of an offense not to hurt you you know he didn't have he didn't score a ton of points he had five points but he took two only took four shots he had seven rebounds he just is a guy who can make a little bit of plays here and there can play some good defense and can score when you need him to hit, hit a big three here make a play around the rim whatever it is so I think he's sort of kind of inching his way into like He's better than all the young guys, and really McConnell, and maybe he should be that eighth math guy on this team. McDermott, on the other hand, I've also had a very, you know, I had to play 32 minutes. I think he did a very, like I said, adequate job, which is good for him, you know, considering where I think McDermott normally is, which is below average. Very adequate. Two or three from three, put up his six points, had his four rebounds. Like, he was good, and that's what you need. And McDermott is probably, like I said, the seventh guy on this team, right ahead of holidays because his spacing is so valuable to this team. But those, both those guys were good. They played within their roles, which is fine, you know, when guys play, when players exceed those roles, it's even great. But when they just are what you expect, and even slightly better than that, that's good enough. And that's how you win a lot of NBA games: is you just have guys who are as good as you thought they would be, and they just add to that, and they help they add to your team and help you guys get, you know, to go from a team where they could have scored 108 tonight to scoring 118 and winning by 10 points. And really, frankly, I think blew out this Nets team. They were pretty much in control of the game the entire second half. After I think trailing by three at the half. They took, I think, a 10 or 11-point lead somewhere in the third quarter, early fourth, and they really kind of controlled it from there on, it felt like, at least to me. Uh, and, you know, I don't have any other good things from this game. I mean, I think I hit all the really kind of good points. The other bad thing, I think, is just the Miles Turner injury, and that's something that is just bad in the sense that it just didn't happen, right? Um, it sounded like he had a sprained ankle of some kind, Um the latest report, if I pull up Scott Agnes right now, is that he's, is that Turner's ankle, this is from Scott Agnes at The Athletic, got to give credit always, credit where it's due, uh, his right ankle is swollen, he'll get an MRI when the Patriots return home for their Friday game against the Cavs, I believe, um, and they're, the team expects it to sign him for a few games, like I was saying earlier, so he'll probably, I imagine he probably will be at least out through the weekend. Um, you know, there was that woe tweet that Tony made fun of that was a little bit uh, hyperbolic. Turner clearly just got kicked in the ankle or something kind of twisted it um these kind of things happen to guys his size and big men hopefully it's not broken or anything like too severe it's an ankle sprain he'll be out a few games he'll probably wear a brace the rest of the year and whatnot and hopefully he'll be okay 
Um, again, I'm not a doctor and I, my diagnosis aren't great, but it signs are pointing that it's not going to be detrimental to the team and it won't put around for a long time. But it's worth noting that, you know, you're already down one of your starters missing another starter who's going to hurt this team. Luckily, they play, I think the schedule coming up is Cavs, Bulls, Horns, Wizards, some combination. I, I know the next two are Cavs, Bulls, and then it's either Wizards, Horns, or Horns, Wizards. So maybe they can get through without him. Uh, these, these are all four teams that hopefully Sabonis can feast on. We'll see. I wonder who should shift into the starting lineup now. I mean, you would have to think, I guess, McDermott maybe. Hopefully Sumner comes back. I mean, being down three of your top nine guys is not never good. But maybe we'll see. I guess you could see a short, you know, a, a lineup where you got like Brogdon, Sumner, Lamb, Warren, Sabonis. I mean, that that could be it. I don't know. I think we'll see what happens. I think we'll see Sabonis playing like 36, 38 minutes. And Gogo's going to get a shot. Now here, Gogo's going to get a chance to step up and play 15, 20 minutes. And he's, you know, he's been playing probably sporadically. He played 16 tonight, but he's been playing kind of 8, 10 minutes. He's going to get a real chance out here to play a lot of minutes as the backup center. And we'll see. Maybe Gogo kind of show some flashes of why they drafted him 18 overall and took a center, even though nobody thought the Pacers should. Um, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts on tonight's game. I know we had a nice dialogue on Twitter going from Monday's game. It was a disappointing loss. So feel free to reach out at Lockdown Pacers, giving your thoughts on today's games. I will obviously try to comment back with the Lockdown Pacers account as I see them. I'm going on vacation for a little bit. I'm about to be following the games and tweeting and whatnot, but I'm not super responsive. It's because I am traveling in a car and driving. So I'll take a quick break, and on the other side, I'm going to do a final segment on the bench unit. I think it needs to be talked about how bad this Pacers team is outside of their top right now, minus Vic, top eight. So I'll name the eight real fast up ahead. Sponis, Turner, Warren, Lamb, Brogdon, McDermott, Justin Holiday, Edmund Sumner. Then the drop off is to guys like Goga, Aaron Holiday, TJ Leaf, and McConnell. Those four are not very good. Then there's a pretty good case that you can make that Sumner not Sumner, that McDermott and Justin Holiday are average, maybe slightly above average, maybe slightly below average, so still not, like, good enough. And then Sumner is this wild card of, like, is he really good? Is he just showing flashes? What's up with that? Uh, the Patriots' problem right now is they had the same problem last year, right? They didn't quite have the depth to, to kind of compete in the playoffs. And obviously, being without Vic, they're going to be down a guy that's going to hurt them. And when Vic comes back, this kind of all shifts back into place. But still... The Pacers didn't really add any depth this often, right? Outside of maybe Justin Holiday, which if, you know, they maybe did there, really they just kind of traded guys, right? So you trade TJ Warren for Thad, Lamb for Bowie, and Brogdon for Collison. That's basically what's the move. So you just shifted those guys out, brought in younger guys who have different skill sets and provide a different component to this team. Uh, you're banking on one of those young guys hitting, and that's where Sumner comes in, right? If Sumner is kind of the key here, if he becomes a rotation-level player, then you're fine because that's the new guy you add in. And then you were all pitched off basing on maybe one of Justin Holiday and McConnell stepping up, and Holiday is right now. So, so that's the scenario where if Justin Holiday is good and Sumner is good, and you add in all the guys they brought in, the team is probably good enough to make a somewhat a deep playoff run, maybe a second round, third round run. But if the Aaron Holidays, the TJ Leafs, the Goat Goga, I think you got to give him a break too until next year because it's the first year, but are not going to be contributors this season with McConnell. It's going to hurt this team in the long run. It's going to hurt them in the sense that with, with the people out, they just are not going to be able to win games. I mean, they're 1-3 right now, and I, like I said last podcast, I wouldn't panic about that. I wouldn't have a freak out, you know, give it 10 games. But they're going to be a team that I felt like needed to float probably around 500 to so slightly above without Vic 
to a team probably on the opposite of that shooting around 500, probably below 500, pretty much until Vic returns. I mean, barring like, you know, Sabonis carrying this team, which that could very much happen. It happened tonight, and he played really well, and he could do that. He could carry this team right to, you know, in the first 30 games to 15 wins. I mean, he could do that. I think he's that good on a player. Turner gets back healthy. All stuff works right and whatnot. But with that being said, if the bench continue to play the way it's playing, this team is going to, to have more bad games than good games, and we got to get used to it. Um, I don't really know what the solution is. I mean, frankly, other than like somebody like Aaron Holiday stepping up and being a better, being a player that we haven't seen from him yet this year or ever, and somebody he's probably never going to be now. I mean, I, I don't want to give up him yet because I think he still has a lot of potential, but there clearly seems to be some rub with him. Maybe he's in a cold streak. Maybe give him a little bit more time, but he seems to be a little bit just off. I don't know how to put it. Just Now, if they're going to lose anyways, I'd rather, rather go down with the young guys, go down playing Goga, Holiday, and Sumner, and Leaf all day than playing like these McConnell crap, to be honest. But Justin Holiday, I think, has proven himself to be good enough where if you're in a close game, you want to play him over anybody else, and that's fine, in my opinion. I just don't know where this team goes from here. I know I talked about last segment real fast, but like to me, if this team's going to continue to be like, and they want to make a playoff run this year. Now, granted, I said before, this is not their year. This is the year where they're kind of in the transition period where all they have all these new people in. They kind of have to figure that out, get all the gel, bring Vic back, get him healthy, whatnot, and make a run next year. But it, it feels like at some point a combination of Holiday, Leaf, McConnell, I think gets you to about eight or nine million. Could get you a, a real player who, if, it is, if it's whether it's a power forward, whether it's another guard, could really add to this team and make you know make this team better, make this team nine or ten deep. I mean that's that's the difference, right? I mean the idea with this Pacer team is. Is they got kind of they have their big salary guys now, you know they got all the depot in trade, they got Brogdon in a trade, they got they resigned to Turner as a bonus, you know. So now, so now the only way to really grow as a team because they're really kind of capped out, and they're not going to trade on those guys, is for the young guys to become rotation players and make that kind of step. And that, that's how it works, right? You've got kind of your core of high paid veterans, and I even I now I call Spence Turner kind of veterans now because they're both in the league four or five years on on second contract. You got your high-paid vendors, and then your young guys step up, combined with some, you know, with Justin Holidays and the McConnells of the day, and McDermott. You throw those, all the kind of all this stuff together until you get a really good team. But if one of those segments is lacking, it can drive the whole team down. Now, frankly, if the young guys are the one lacking, you at least have a shot still because your best players can carry you forward and whatnot. And like I said, if Sumner, you know, you're not going to hit on all four. You know, you're not going to hit on Leaf, Aaron Holiday, and Sumner. Hit on one of those three guys. To be honest, it's probably that's kind of what you'd expect if even above average, right? The Pacers have a track history of, ex- of having young guys exceed expectations and become players that nobody thought they would. I mean, look at it. Spones was the 10th pick, I believe. Turner the 11th pick. Oldie was forgiven, was basically was given up on after he got traded from Orlando and was kind of like, is this guy good? Can he stay healthy whatnot? And held things up, up in there still, but he's a great player. I mean, Paul George went, I think he went nine. Roy Hibbert's 17th pick. I mean, you can go on. Danny Granger's a 17th pick. You can go on and on, on. The Pacers drafting guys and finding value and having to exceed way far than what their pick would say they would be. So the question is, why has that not been the last few years? Now, I don't know. Maybe just bad drafting, bad spots. Maybe they had a guy they wanted and missed him here, there. Who knows? I mean, you know, there's always the what-ifs of, like, whether they took OG over Leaf. Now, this year, I can't really think of any. I, I think Thibel went before Goga, so it wouldn't have mattered. I mean, they just were at the 18th spot. I think if they were at, like, 14, Tyler Hero would have been a great guy to be here. Tyler's a great player. He's a good player, I think. is going to be good, so anybody could love to have him. But that's kind of the what-if. But at the end of the day, I'm concerned. 
I don't really know what happens, but I'm concerned this bench unit is going to just kind of be terrible until Oladipo comes back. And if you get more injuries, as Sumner's hurt and Turner's hurt, it's just not going to be good. And as a fan, I think expectations need to be dialed back a little bit if that's how it's going to be. You know, this Pacers team has seemed like the last few years, really the last two years, really they beat all the bad teams, right? They were going into Cleveland, whipping their butts, except for that one time where Larry Nance pushed but they're basically they're going to Chicago beating it three or four times. They were going to Orlando, even Orlando got good last year beating them, and so on and so on. I'm not sure to have that same expectation going forward until Vic comes back because this bench unit is really bad and it's going to carry kind of drag this team down with it, barring a pop holiday that we just haven't seen. I don't expect to happen at least this year. However, we will see. That's all I got for this Lockdown Pacers podcast. I know it's kind of a depressing end to the show, but. Uh, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. Tweet at me at LockedOnPacers. You can tweet at me personally at madam 5 You can tweet at Tony at TEASTMBA. As always, leave us a five-star review on everybody listening to this podcast. We'll see you guys again tomorrow.